Welcome, everybody, to episode five of the EdTech Distilled podcast. Uh, just a little conversation between some tech uh, enthusiasts talking about education and learning and teaching with technology and where it's going and uh, this crazy world that we live in. Uh, I'm excited uh, to be here today. My name is Adam Geis, and I'm here with Dave Lurch. As always, Dave. I'm fantastic. There he is. He's, okay, good. I didn't even have to ask. He knew what I was going to ask him. Uh, but you with us, do you want me to say something else? Yeah. No. I'm doing poor totally right fine. now. I'm not doing well. Is that good? <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Honesty is really important. So okay. it's good. I'm a little sensitive uh, right now. Good. Well, okay. that's okay. Yeah. Well, that means this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Okay. No uh, So with us today is Matt Miller. Matt, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited to, to jump in and join in on episode five here. Yeah, we're excited we made it to episode five. So yeah. that's a great <laughs> Congratulations. Start. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, um, couple new things as we're going to jump into this conversation. Matt, our, our focus sort of today as we try to throw a topic to each one of these episodes, the focus is kind of learning from this new unique year that we just all went through. And I'm sure every person in technology or not in technology, anybody associated with education at all has learned something or has garnered something from this past year that we want to take with us going forward. And so that's going to be kind of our focus. Um, and we did just see you in a, a Wakelet um, keynote for Wakelet Live this week. Uh, and you nailed it. It was awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Fantastic. Yep. And so <laughs> as we were sitting there watching, it was today, actually, as we we're recording this, and we're sitting there watching that thinking, oh, man, I hope he doesn't feel like he's going to repeat himself during the podcast. So feel free to go in a totally different direction if you want to or whatever. But uh, we just thought it was such great stuff. So we're excited for you to be here today. Yeah. Um, so my first little update as we're kind of going forward, one of the things that um, sort of bothered my kids because I don't, uh, personally have iPhone uh, iPhones with myself or any sort of Apple devices in my house. It's nothing personal towards Apple. It's just a thing that I don't let my kids do. <laughs> so because they're always like, I want an iPhone. And I'm like, we're not going to do that in our house. When you guys leave, you can have an iPhone. Um, you know, it's just that whole conversation of Android versus Apple. And I, I have very strong feelings about it. Uh, but I'm not going to get into that right now. What I am going to get into is to say that FaceTime is now available on Android and Windows because they've made it so much easier for people to access uh, just through a link. You can share a link now. If you are an Apple user and you create a FaceTime meeting on your iPhone or on a Mac or any sort of iOS device, you can create a link, share it out, and then anybody can join the FaceTime. I think that's a fantastic improvement. Yeah, I do too. I think it's neat because it allows... Uh, you know, despite Adam's uh, anti-Apple stance, um, I do think that... A lot of people who aren't comfortable with technology, sometimes Apple, it, it lends itself well to that because it is a little bit more in, intuitive to use. And I know with the FaceTime option, that's been something really big, like for my parents. My parents are in their 60s and they want to see their granddaughter during COVID. They could do the FaceTime app on their phone and be able to share that. Whereas if I tried to get them on Google Meet or Zoom, that was a little bit more of an arduous process for them, I think. And so I, I think that's cool, just that accessibility feature being a neat thing. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that too. Um, you know, uh, those of you that are listening can't see, but I'm putting my phone up to the 
to the screen and you can just very faintly see the G on it, which means that I am also an Android person. I've got a Google Pixel phone and have mm -hmm. had one for a while and I love it. Uh, but one thing I don't love is that I can't use FaceTime and a lot of right. people that I know do. And I mean, that just makes perfect sense to run it through the browser like that. And also as far as teachers go, you know, we've had so many, um, we may talk about this a little more later, but we've had so many opportunities to improve our video conferencing skills that, you know, there's ways that we can apply that in the classroom. And if you have the ability to connect with somebody who has an iPhone and it makes it a little bit easier, like this, this is a, a win for education too, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. I totally well agree. I won't show you my phone then. Uh, it just uh, assume that I have a rotary phone that that's what mm -hmm. I use. I have <laughs> absolutely, I have no negative feelings towards people who use iPhones. I don't want that. I didn't want that to come across as something I personally just don't like them. And I, I've tried them and I just can't, I can't sure. get into it. And I just am so comfortable with Android. Sure. And then my kids are like, well, I want an iPhone. And then I'm like, well, you can do it, but I'm not supporting it. Like can't call me for tech support. Cause I'm not going <laughs> to help you. But can uh, I, before we get off of this iPhone thing, can I just say that I read a study once that said that um, if you were trying to like get a date with somebody, you know, like if you're interested in somebody that if you texted with the girl or texted with the guy and it didn't show up with the blue iMessage bubble, you were less likely to land a date with them. Really? There was a study that showed that it was like, if you don't have iMessage, you're like, it's like non iMessage shaming. Like, <laughs> oh my it was a God. real thing. I. I don't know where this study was, but I remember reading it and it, it hit me really hard as an Android user. Not like right. I'm, you know, I'm happily married by the way, right. but like, you know, still there's like that shade towards the Android people. I'm like, wow. come on. Well, that's that good a, to know. It is. Yeah. Another Anybody reason why single. it's another reason why I am not going to ever join the dating scene again. I'll never make right. it. If something right. were to happen between me, me and my wife, I'm just done. That's it. One and done. <laughs> Well, and anyone who's single out there, you heard that from Matt Miller, right? Uh, from Digital Textbook. So yeah, I mean, you know how to yeah, land yourself right. a date. I wish I would have known. Get an iPhone, get a date. You know? <laughs> the first time I asked that my wife, she turned me down, and that was why. Like, <laughs> right, right. Back in two thousand two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Because your Nokia was Steve wasn't cool Jobs, get it together. I need a date. Because oh, my Nokia, he says, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, my bag phone. Right, because you called her from your car. I did without my parents were driving, mind you. So all, all this is accurate, by the way. None Absolutely. of this is uh, Absolutely. This is made up. So, oh my gosh! All right, so my second update. Uh, however much I do want to keep talking about that, my second update uh, is sort of stemming off one that I brought up in our last episode. One mm -hmm. that uh, YouTube is starting to um, have these warnings before you share things saying, hey, are you sure you want to share this video? You know, some of the information in it may not necessarily be legitimate, which I thought, I think that's a great thing. They're testing it out. It's not happening for everybody yet, but they're like beta testing it. Well, yesterday, a friend of mine on Twitter posted um, um, an article about how raising, um, how people raising the minimum wage at uh, Chipotle is going to cause, you know, you to pay an extra dollar for your burrito and what a terrible thing that was. So he posted the article and then wrote in there, he's like, I'll pay the extra dollar. You know, you guys keep the change or whatever. Uh, let's give people some livable wages. And so I was going to retweet that post because I agree. And before it, Twitter would let me tweet it, it brought up a warning saying, hey, you didn't open this article. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you want to share it without reading it? And I mm -hmm. thought, 
good for you, Twitter. Like yeah. of all the things Twitter sometimes does well and sometimes doesn't do well, I thought that is great. At least make people think about what they post before they post it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, that just kind of happened to me yesterday, so I figured I'd throw it in here. Yeah, that's awesome, I think. Yeah, you know what's funny about that? I've, I've gotten that same warning from Twitter before when I've tried to uh, retweet an article that I wrote. Oh. So it's like, <laughs> are you sure you want to share this? You haven't opened the link yet. I'm like, dude, awesome. I wrote it. <laughs> so, all right. So that's the alternative to yeah. that issue. Yeah, that's are right. Are you sure this is a trustworthy source? Yeah. That's I oh tried to make it as trustworthy as right. I could. <laughs> that's the information yeah. here has not been verified yet. Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, that Very small percentage so of use cases there. But so funny. Yeah. Oh, my well, gosh. So uh, I have a couple things to share. We'll do them really quick. Two uh, Google updates that are coming. Uh, one of them is going to be, uh, so for those people out there that have to request through their Google admin to approve apps or extensions, now one of the things that you'll see in the marketplace is if you request an app or an extension, it will actually show if it's approved for you specifically. So rather than doing blanket oh. approvements or you know not allowing somebody to use that, you can actually just use it for a specific person. And that should be coming relatively soon. And uh, the other big update I saw is that in Google Meet, you can now start putting a video as your background instead of a picture. And God help all teachers when those students learn how to put a video as their background because <laughs> your computer is going to slow down to a crawl. And all those virtual meetings are going to be coming up. But all those are on the rapid release schedule. You may not be seeing those yet. If you're like me, we've not seen them yet. But it is something that will eventually come that I think is pretty cool. Um, and the last thing I had on there, and this was just a, was sometimes we do talk about the, the tech tech side, not necessarily the ed tech side. Uh, recently, I read an article kind of to, to piggyback off what Adam was saying um, about how Twitter is checking for that, uh, uh, you know, whether or not you've opened that article. Um, so the American Bar has shared that a lot of judges are starting to choose to uh, input features and details into an AI program in order to come up with a sentencing that's appropriate when someone has been found guilty in a crime. And the reason was, is they were not able to have equitable sentencing. So you might have bias towards, you know, certain person, male or female, black, white, whatever that might be. And what they were finding is that by choosing this AI option, it was reducing that. And so I've just been really reading about machine learning and AI, how it applies in the classroom. And uh, my brother-in-law, he's, he's big into the business and law side of things. He had shared this with me. And I just thought, wow, that's pretty gnarly to think that that's the route they're going because it literally, the way it's kind of laid out <clears throat> is it looks like a big Google form where you just plug in things. It's like a multiple choice. Wow. This, 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 this. Click it and it will say, this is what I suggest you do as a sentencing, which is kind of crazy, you know? Hmm. I definitely see the positives in that. Right. Uh, I think it was the second season or the third season of Serial. If you guys listen to the Serial podcast, yeah, I don't remember which one it was, but a second season they spent the whole time in, I want to say, Philadelphia maybe? De uh, Detroit. I don't know. Anyway, in the the in the whole court sentencing system, and talked about right. how it was so inequitable and and everything. You know, people were punished being totally differently based on their background and their ethnicity, obviously, and things like that. Uh, and it was really it was really an interesting podcast, and hopefully, something like that will lead to changes. 
Yeah. yeah my, my brother-in-law, we, we talked about this while pulling weeds at my parents' lake, but uh, we were, he, he's former military captain and he's, he's got a lot of strong opinions on this stuff. And so he and I were talking about that equity part and what role does that human side play? Cause he and I, originally we had talked about how something that Matt had talked in his Wakelet presentation was how there's no replacement for face-to-face -face teaching. There's no replacement for having a teacher who understands a kid, understands a class and can teach them. It doesn't matter how they do it. There's no replacement for that. So videos won't do that. Machine learning won't do that. And uh, he was asking me my thoughts on that. And I shared something similar. And then he kind of, uh, we turned into that. And so, uh, yeah, all over pulling weeds out of a lake. We had a deep conversation. So my dad, on the other hand, is like, are you guys done yet? So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, good, interesting updates. You've got on here written down. And I think it's a great conversation to have at some point. But, you know, AI, I think, plays a, could play a major role in what's coming in our future. Uh, but does it have a place in Major League Baseball? That's the question that I think most of us are really wondering. Balls and strikes. I don't know if, I don't know if it works or not. I'm not a fan. However, whatever it was three weeks ago, I don't remember, Dave, if you watched that game, uh, it was a Cardinal game, and that we had a brand-new umpire. He's like 30 years old, made some of the weirdest calls. People were so mad throughout, like, I think it was Ross. I think we were playing the Cubs. Was it Ross who got thrown out? I don't remember. But anyway. Put off the plate. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. But it was. But umpiring played a major role in the outcome of that game. And I, that's what I have an issue with sometimes with some of that stuff. And maybe AI will solve that problem. But who knows? This is not the baseball tech distilled podcast. This is it. That'll be a spinoff. So that's what we'll we, do. We right? can do that if you want. We can talk about that though. <laughs> uh, next time. Episode six, there all about baseball. Perfect. So, Matt, we've got you on. We don't want to take too much of your time, but we uh, we just wanted to chat with you a little bit, like we said here at the beginning. What, Where do you think education's going? What do we want to keep um, from this past year? But before we jump into that, uh, give us just sort of a quick rundown of your backstory. Um, I know that you taught Spanish, but how did you get mm -hmm. to the become Matt Miller? That's the question. Yeah, um, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't go the traditional route to to become a teacher. I was a I was actually a journalism major in college, and I was pretty convinced that I was going to be a newspaper reporter or a newspaper editor. Like, did all of the things in college to make that happen. Um, you know, editor of my college newspaper, all of the internships, and everything. I got out into the real world covering county government and newspapers, and took three months, and I realized I hated it. Wow, hated it. So I went right back to school. Yeah, just turned around, went right back to school. And um, my wife was teaching. And every time I was in a classroom with her, it was like, something just feels right here. You know, so I went back and within less than a year, I had gotten uh, I, I, all of the requirements for my emergency teacher permit. And I was in a classroom of kids. So like December, I'm full full-time journalist. And then in August, I am full-time high school Spanish teacher. Holy so cow. It, it, was a, it was a wild transition. It was a school district that could not find a uh, licensed teacher. Like no matter what they did, they couldn't. And they hired me and they didn't get rid of me, thankfully. Um, <laughs> after that, you know, I ended up getting my credential and uh, finishing my master's and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I those first few years, I was very much the traditional teacher, 
you know, teaching from the textbook, marching chapter by chapter through the textbook, worksheets, workbook pages, questions at the end of the chapter, like all of that stuff. And um, after doing that for about three or four years, I started to, I had this sort of startling discovery. It's kind of a problem if you're a Spanish teacher. Uh, I realized that the students in my Spanish classes couldn't speak Spanish. Oh, wow. Which, you know, if <laughs> you want to teach kids Spanish, you would like them. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the baseline of what you want them to be able to right. do, you uh -huh. know? Right. <laughs> so um, I realized that something had to give. And I thought, my goodness, like babies can learn how to speak English without conjugating verbs. Like there, there's got, there's got to be a better way than this. And so I just started tinkering with things little by little. I tried conversational Spanish, just started bringing some technology in. We did some projects. We did like all sorts of different stuff. And like little by little by little by little, I needed my textbooks less and less and less and less and less until eventually one day I was like, we're done with them. I don't need them anymore. We're done with them. And so, um, I just started sharing some of the things I was trying in my classroom on my blog and just kept posting, kept posting as a journalism major, remember? So I mm -hmm. kind of like writing mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people started finding it and, you know, uh, since then I've published some books and I've get to speak to teachers and, uh, cool guys like you. And, um, <laughs> so now let's see what I just did there. Yeah. So, that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah. That'll be yeah, the tag. So there, there you go. Yeah. Cool guys like you. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh -huh. so, uh, what kind of prompted you to go towards the blog initially? Was it just a way to keep writing or was it, uh, you just kind of saw a space that, uh, that you could kind of keep that going or, or what, what, mm -hmm. uh, what led you to that? Yeah, I, um, well, it, part of it was just, you know, liking the idea of writing. And I also kind of felt like, you know, I had read other blogs and websites and like watched videos and stuff from other teachers for a while. And I kind of felt like it should be a cycle, you know, like you get help and then you give help. And so mm -hmm. I felt like now it's the time we've kind of come around in the cycle where it's time for me to start giving back. And since I started giving back, that doesn't mean that I would quit getting help. It, you know, the cycle, I think, just continues to spin. But it was definitely my turn to step up and, and do something because, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that if nobody created, if nobody was willing to step out there and share some things with other people, if nobody created, the Internet wouldn't exist. You have to have somebody to create the stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, although we were talking about AI a little bit ago, AI can do some of that stuff pretty well <laughs> yeah, now, but, yeah, um, no joke. in general, I kind of believe that, you know, we need people to create the stuff. So I just felt like it was my, my turn and, um, writing was just the natural medium, I think. So, so well, go, go along with the, the, you, like you said, you said you, you get help and then you give help. So now yeah. I feel like you, you give so many, so many, uh, different types of people help every day. I know. Uh, like Adam and I have said, your blog has been instrumental in helping us with ourselves or our classes or our own teachers. And I'm sure anybody listening is nodding their head going, mm-hmm, yep. So where do you get your help these days? Like, do you pull it from Twitter or are there specific people that uh, you're drawn to or, or where do you find that inspiration? Yeah, like all of it. Um, I have a ridiculous, I wish I could pick it up and show it to you on the camera, but then the people listening wouldn't get to see it. But <laughs> I have a like massive stack of books sitting at my feet right next to my desk. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, and I think, I think we're in a really cool time right now where mm -hmm. more and more people are able to publish their ideas and get them out to more and more people. 
you know, it used to be that if you had some ideas, you had to hope that you got found by a publisher or you like beat the publisher's door down until they paid attention or your cousin worked in a publisher's office or something, you know, um, now the publishing side of things has become really democratized because, you know, you can self publish on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. you can, you know, for Kindle or or even for paperback books, like anybody, anybody could format a Google doc or a word document, uh, get a cover on it and turn it into a book. So there's that and sell it on Amazon where millions and millions of people search every single day. Right. Um, podcasts are a perfect example of this too. You know, I mean, uh, people could listen to your podcast anywhere, you know, anywhere around the the United States, which is something that back in the day, you know, the, um, you know, even if you got like a radio show, you're still just limited to physical location. So, um, yeah, that was, um, I can't remember what your initial question was, how we got into all of this. This is perfect. That was great. (laughs) That's all we wanted to know. Yep. Um, but I, lo- <laughs> I love that in your, in, in your explanation that you like totally glossed over like, well, and then I wrote some books and then I created this blog and then some here books. I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the process of, I mean, I, I just, the process of like coming up with the idea for writing a book and then, and then getting it published, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, I mean, that's, that's gotta be really time consuming. Is that like, did you jump out there and say, oh, I'm going to do this book. And that was your goal. Or did it kind of gradually become a thing? I, um, it kind of gradually became a thing. And when it finally became a thing, I wasn't even looking for it. Um, I, I had been writing my, uh, ditch that textbook blog for a couple of years. I think at that point it was two or three years. And I, I mean, I was like religiously posting twice a week, something, Mm -hmm. anything, anything I could come up with Mondays and Thursdays, Mondays and Thursdays without fail. I was afraid that if I missed a Monday or a Thursday that I would lose my momentum and I would quit doing it. Mm -hmm. It was the best, best decision that I made was to, to do that so regularly. And, um, after a little while I got contacted by my publisher, Dave Burgess, uh, Mm -hmm. who was not a publisher at the time. He was an author, just an author, you know? And, um, he was, he was talking to me. Uh, we, we got onto like a, a Google Hangouts call and he said, you know, you really ought to, he said, I know I'm talking to the ditch that textbook guy here and everything like, but you really ought to write a book. And I was like, (laughs) who would publish me? You know, that's, that's crazy. And he goes, I'll do it. He hadn't published anybody other than himself at that point. And I was like, no kidding. Really? Yeah. He would, he had a couple of books, uh, in the pipeline getting ready to publish, but, um, Mm -hmm. he hadn't published anybody. And so, uh, yeah, that's, it kind of snuck up on me like that. And I wasn't even thinking about, I mean, all I was really thinking about was how can I keep writing these posts and how can I get my lesson plans written for all of my Spanish classes and keep all of that going? Right. Um, I was presenting at some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I would wake up at, 5.30 in the morning, just like set my alarm. I would stumble downstairs, turn on my computer. It took my computer like 45 seconds to boot up or something. (laughs) So I would sit on the couch and I would do this Uh, for 45 (laughs) seconds while the computer's booting up. And then it finally comes up and I'm like, okay, I better write now. And um, I was presenting at some like local uh, education conferences and stuff like whenever I could, but um, it wasn't anything. And it just sort of snuck up on me and... uh, You know, I know that's not everybody's story, but at least like we were saying earlier, at least now 
it seems like everybody has more of an ability to take those matters into their own hands. They don't mm -hmm. have to get discovered or anything like that. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got a blog that I've been trying to do for forever and I can't, I can't motivate myself to do it. Mm -hmm. I always second guess. I have a, I have a, a real issue with imposter syndrome. Um, and I'm, I'm just impressed with people who get over that and just publish because everything they publish is so good and not nothing. Mm -hmm. I think I put create is like valid. So I got to get over that. That's step number one. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe that'll happen, but it's, it's just really impressive because you've been doing it for so long. And I used to listen religiously to uh, the Google tribe podcast mm -hmm. with you and yeah. Casey Bell. Yep. Really yeah. enjoyed it. I mean, you guys did great stuff on that. Yeah. Podcast. Some awesome, awesome stuff. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I appreciate that. That was fun. That was like, uh, Casey and I met at the, um, Google teacher Academy, which is now mm -hmm. the Google innovator, the innovator Academy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we just were like, Hey, we'd like to do something together. And neither of us had a podcast or anything. So we just kind of jumped into it together and, uh, we did it just as long as we could, you know, eventually right. at, at some point, sometimes things kind of run, run their, their course. course and sure. Yeah. And, and we were still enjoying it and we kept getting nice comments from people about it. So we knew that it was, it was helping people, but we just, you know, at some point we just, it, it was time to pass the torch, you know? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the next, the next big, uh, yeah. Google podcast to come along to, to kind of take that, to take that mantle, but it was, it was fun. Well, maybe, maybe ed tech distilled will become that. next. There you go. No. There you we go. That's put, right. We, we gotta <laughs> put Google in there somewhere. Though, yeah. So. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. I uh, I actually was on your podcast one time uh, in a an audio file that I sent in. I think I, I have to remember that. I know I sent it in. I'm pretty sure you published it, but I can't remember. Uh -huh. I might have to dive back into that and see if I can find it. What was the uh, audio? Yeah. Old stools. I don't I don't remember. But like you guys would take like audio yeah. comments from people, and I mm -hmm. know I submitted one. I'm pretty sure it was on there. But anyway, um, cool. inbox. It was when they got rid of inbox. And oh they yeah, merged so inbox and that. Gmail together, and I think it had something to do with that. But regardless, yeah, um, was it was it a comment about how I'm glad you guys only use Android and not iPhone because <laughs> yeah, I'm I hate sure iPhone. So, I'm yeah, sure it was. It yeah, is. the iPhone listeners don't understand then, what it, this yeah. is, but yeah. inbox, yeah, right. And if you want to date, uh, that's get awesome. a, get an iPhone. So, um, so your pocket or your your keto today, um, with Wakelet was all about things that we think teachers should keep from remote learning. And this conversation I think is going to be, it's kind of ramping up now, but I think it's really going to be something as we start to reach July and August as teachers mm -hmm. are starting to work their way back to the classroom. Uh, and you mentioned a few things, uh, you know, if you had to pick like one or two that you thought were like really primary things teachers should take with them next year, um, what do you think that would be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, the first one that I that I talked about when we started diving into it um, was something that I think caught a lot of people by surprise, um, and that was um, that was the chat feature mm -hmm. in a lot of the uh, video conferencing platforms. You know, teachers would teach through Zoom, and at first, I think a lot of them were real anti-chat because they were afraid that mm -hmm. kids were just going to goof around and you know um, abuse the their chat features. And so a lot of times it was like, turn that thing off. I don't want the mm -hmm. chat. I don't right. want you to touch the chat. I don't want you to right. do anything with the chat. But some teachers started realizing, I think, that um, that they were able to interact with their students in a different way than they could otherwise. Like typing something into the chat 
is a lot less threatening than raising your hand in front of the class. Um, mm -hmm. I talked about that a little bit in, in that uh, Wakelet keynote, but mm -hmm. what I didn't mention is that I have a little bit of um, classroom practice with this. See, I taught um, with one of my classes, I think it was a Spanish two or Spanish three class. Um, it wasn't like the very beginners, but um, one, one day I was using this tool called Today's Meet. Do you remember Today's Meet? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No? no? Okay, it's kind of like, it's a, uh, well, it, it doesn't exist anymore, but um, it was <laughs> it was kind of like a back channel tool uh, where you just had kind of like a chat room and you could, you know, you logged in with what your name was and then you would type a message and it would just post it. And I use that a lot, but one day in particular, I told my students, I was like, okay, we're going to practice our vocabulary words by just chatting with each other. So we all sat in silence, which I thought was going to be weird, but it wasn't that weird to them because they would like text each other in the same room. And so right, it wasn't right. that, <laughs> right. it wasn't that far off. And, um, we just sat in silence and we, we just chatted and the most incredible thing happened. There were a couple of kids that never, ever, 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 ever said anything in class. And they were active in that chat. We get to hear from them. They were, and of course we were typing in the language. So it was a little bit limited because it was mm -hmm. in Spanish, but um, you know, I, I saw it too. Um, I've even seen it. I'll even give you this. Um, I've been doing lots of virtual professional development over the last year and a half. And my, um, my preferred way of doing that is through a YouTube live stream. I've got a platform that lets me live stream and see everybody's comments and throw their comments on the screen. It's actually the same platform that they used for the Wakelet thing today. And um, I've started to find that if I ask questions enough and if I kind of like promote the fact that we're going to use the chat as a discussion, you know, kind of like promote that culture of, um, mm -hmm. you know, our time together, uh, teachers interact more in the chats and those YouTube streams then they do face to face as well. It's not yeah. just the kids, it's the adults too. So uh, that's one thing that I've found really, really fascinating. Well, I think uh, too, the the concept of email is like foreign to the kids, even though that's still adulty primary, you know, means of, of digital mm -hmm. conversation. Right. So they'll chat mm -hmm. all day long. I mean, and you know, there are tools that you can use that are that are not necessarily wide open. Some, you know, some of the chat, like the back channel chats, you can use them without any sort of account, which I think is great for student safety. At the same time, mm -hmm. it's not great for anonymity because sometimes that turns into something not so great. But you can use the Google Classroom chat. There's like yeah. so many different ways that, that teachers can do it without having to use a new tool or something like that. But just to remember that that's a conversation that can still be going on at the same time. And you can even have those be open or chats that are just between you and the students. So even if a student wanted to comment something and just didn't want the other students to see the comment, right. you know, we can still keep all of that stuff private. So I think it's yeah. great. It's a great tool. It's a great way to remember. Yeah. Something and, to keep. And that's, uh, yeah. And that kind of actually dovetails nicely into one other thing that I, there's others we could talk about too, but one other thing that I think connects with what you just said really well is, um, a lot of teachers have started doing more um, social emotional check-ins with their students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you were saying how, um, you know, in, in some ways you can have the more private information being sent that it doesn't have to be with everyone. Um, I think a lot of teachers have started using these Google forms check-ins where it's just like, yeah. write your name, tell me how you're doing today. 
they might give you some like check boxes of like which emotion you're feeling today or just leave it blank. And then just a simple box that says, is there anything I need to know about? Um, let me know. I'm the only one who's going to see this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just to be able to get the pulse of how kids are feeling, what their emotions are. And then for the individuals, like if there's something horrible that's happened or, you know, whatever, like more information is better than less information on that stuff. And uh, man, if there was ever a time that we need to give kids an outlet to be able to talk about that stuff, I think the last year and a half is the time to do it. Yeah, ab absolutely. Oh, well, you know, it's funny you say that because we, uh, I saw this year three different instances of that. We did, uh, so we started our year remote. And one of the things that we did is we made sure when we took attendance, that was on our form as well, was just a general open-ended question. How are you doing or something like that? But we even mm -hmm. saw that trickle down to, uh, we had a um, a person come in from uh, human services that uh, helped in our health class. And she did the same thing. She had an anonymous Google form where the kids could submit those questions in health class that she could then talk about. And there was that anonymity. And we even had our DARE officer in fifth and sixth grade do the same thing. And uh, mm -hmm. he, he was telling me, he's like, hey, Dave, when, uh, when, when the St. Clair County Police Department, when we've made this choice to move everything virtual, and, you know, online, he said, you know, it's here to stay because he said yeah. that a lot of their officers, you know, that's a part time thing and they're going to use what works for them for, the, for as long as they can. And they shifted and they really like that because it gave that safe space for kids to give that response and not worry about, you know, raising your hand and bringing something up that could be uh, potentially embarrassing and everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think that's an awesome, awesome thing that hopefully everybody carries with them going forward. I think it's going to be an interesting switch as students start coming back into the classroom. You know, and, and that because I know this year we had kids back and we had we were still hybrid throughout pretty right. much the entire school year. Um, but the kids who were fully remote now have gone for, you know, more than a full year of not being in any sort of school. And that's that's got to be hard to come back to. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of that. Social emotional is going to be a big thing coming back in the fall. So the more we keep yeah. track of that, the better. And, and if tech helps, great. But if it's also just a if just a question, you know, uh, hey, how are you doing? Uh, right. uh, you know, or a suggestion box. Here's a piece of paper with a pen and throw your note in. I mean, that you know, I mean, it doesn't always have to be tech, but we think that that can play a role and help a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we always have this these questions as we're kind of going forward. Um, you know, like what what do we think needs to happen in education that hasn't happened yet? We were asked this question. Actually, we stole this. We were just on a panel. Uh, in that that conference uh, that's going on here, the Directions Conference, we talked to Matt Weld in uh, episode one. Oh yeah, to episode two. Mm -hmm. You were, I think, you've done Directions before. I thought, I thought I saw you there. Maybe if I if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so he had us on a panel, a tech panel, and we uh, he asked us, you know, like what is something that needs to happen in education that hasn't yet happened? Um, and I thought that was a really interesting question. Yeah, My answer, just question. really quickly, was. Um, was we're talking about, you know, that education that that learning can happen remotely is that students need to now buy in to the fact that they can use their phones and they can use their computers to learn on their own for something that they want to learn. And I think that that's one of those big things. Like I think teachers by this point have kind of bought into that, that idea that we can direct students, but students can kind of learn on, you know, using technology. I think administrators have learned that. I think a lot of parents have, but the kids need to buy in 
to like YouTube and and TikTok can be used for things more than just like watching people fall and hurt themselves. They can be, you yes. know, I mean, TikTok's a great resource, and I just started mm -hmm. like going through and finding stuff that is really really cool. Um, that I, it's as when the kids buy in, I think we'll start to see things you know, change. And again, I don't think that it'll ever replace it. We said that earlier, never can replace a face-to-face -face learning experience, but at the same time, there's definitely benefits to it. Well, it's a tool. And I think it's how, how you use those tools as a teacher, just like anything, you know, the first time somebody had a smart board in their classroom or a whiteboard in their classroom, instead of a chalkboard, it's sure it's replacing something, but how do you use it? I mean, Matt had an awesome point about Jamboard today in that Wakelet session and just how some people are choosing to use that in place of your flip charts or your sticky notes or, you know, using that as an alternative, but Hey, sometimes it's nice to have something in your hands too, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like uh, I'll give you an example of that. Whenever um, I got ready to write my book tech, like a pirate uh, and I started doing the initial brainstorming of what was going to go in it. It was a whole bunch of index cards. I took a whole stack of index cards. I cut them in half because I didn't need all of that space. And so I cut them in half and it was this big stack of these like square index cards. And I would go through my blog. I would go through notes. I would go through presentations, like anything that I might want to include in that book. And I would jot individual ideas down on a note card and set it aside. And uh, I could take all of those note cards and spread them out on a table. I could put them into piles and I could have done that on Jamboard. Sure. But it was, it's like, I was, I was more nimble. I was like mm -hmm. a, easier to manipulate that stuff and move it around the way that I wanted. Uh, there was one time my son was going to basketball practice and I wasn't coaching or anything, which is a miracle because we, we seem to coach all of the things that right. our kids do. <laughs> yeah. And um, for some reason that day I wasn't helping out. So um, I sat up in the stands and I just spread all of my cards out over a couple of bleacher seats. And, um, you know, I was, I was able to do a lot of that stuff without technology. So um, it's not, it, and I think that our brains like seem to, for some of us anyway, our brains seem to work that way sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't think that you can fight that. And it's funny, once you've been on the technology a lot, sometimes the kids appreciate just as a contrast, yeah, just as something different. different. Yeah. Just going over and doing something in the physical world, tactile with your own fingers, you know? Yeah. You know, when I did, you know, I taught research papers and that was all the, the note cards were always the big thing for research papers and kids. Mm -hmm. Some kids could not buy into the physical writing things down. And some kids are like, look, and they took a picture of like all their cards spread out yeah. over their you know bedroom. Mm -hmm. And like, that's how I was. I needed to physically see things. Um, but, I, but then we switched, you know, to digital and then we gave kids the option. Like we did all mm -hmm. digital for one year and then we're like, you know what? They need to be able to have both. And yeah. uh, that really seemed to work pretty well. But yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. You know, what's interesting with that is at the end of the year this year, we did, I did little lessons with our first grade and second grade students so that they were ready for some Google tools as they're going forward, because we tend to keep those away from our primary kids, whether they use Seesaw or yeah. they use alternatives to that. It's a little bit easier for them to use at home. Parents can use that. They'll log in simpler. And uh, what was funny is we pushed in, I pushed into second grade and I did a little lesson. And the first lesson we did is it was uh, an Eric Kurtz lesson. It was a jam board and the jam board was, it had white paint on top of it. And underneath it was a background of a rainbow. I've seen right. that one. Right. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so the activity was the kids had to draw. It was rainbow drawing, write your name or do something like that. And they could learn how to use a Google tool, how to share it. What does it look like in your drive and all that? And mm -hmm. um, 
I planned for sure that this was going to be an absolute, like it was going to take me an hour to get the kids logged in. It was going to yeah. take an hour to show them how to make a copy, how to share, do this. It took me 10 yeah. minutes with these kids and they were flying. <laughs> and yes. their second grade teacher, she was like, they're doing well, Dave. And I said, Hey, you guys crushed it. You did a good job of educating them this year. And then at the end of the day, when bus drop off, they were like, just so you know, that was totally those kids. And so it was in that <sighs> moment, I was like, okay, so these kids are growing up with this stuff. Yes. And it's like, I just feel like there's less learning. It's just so integrated with them. It's so interesting to see that happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I, I think It'll, the big, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, just teeny tiny little thing. It'll be interesting to see going forward how uh, technology training goes as kids get more and more native with this stuff. Like photocopier training isn't a thing these days anymore. No, no. <laughs> Thank God. You know, so yeah. like that's phased out. So maybe our technology training if technology becomes like the air that we breathe anymore. And like at some point this won't be as necessary. Sorry, Adam, what were you going to say? No, you're good. I was, the only thing I was going to say was this term learning loss, I, I think is really, uh, it's a terrible term. I hate it. And I think what really has happened is, is there's an experience loss. Like the kids have, have missed out on, experiences, mm -hmm. but I don't think they've lost missed out on like learning. They've learned things that we mm -hmm. never would have ever thought to teach them over this last year that I think will become important. It's not like technology is going to go away now, now that, you know, if we're coming back to a real, whatever the real world is, they're still going to be doing virtual meetings. They're still going to, I mean, this stuff is still going to happen. So I mm -hmm. think they've learned a ton of great stuff. It just doesn't look like we thought it would, right. um, you know, and so coming back in the fall, that's, that's sort of my get rid of learning loss. It, it, we did miss out, but yeah. I don't think it's content. I think it's experiences and we can get those back. And if we can start with that focus coming back in the fall, I think kids will hopefully the content will work for itself. That's so that I, and I, I totally agree with you on that. I would also even say with that term learning loss, it like implies that you had something and then you didn't have it. Yeah. Right. Well said. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's, that's definitely not the case. But then also in addition to that, think about all of the things that kids did learn when they weren't in traditional school. Right. Think of the things where, and it's like, it's just like what you were saying, Adam, like um, they learn different stuff. They had different experiences. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were at home and they got to spend more time with their family, which gives you the opportunity to like, parents passing things down to their kids, like legacy mm -hmm. things. Like there were more opportunities for those kinds of things. So um, they learned resilience. They learned how to make the most of situations that they don't expect. They learn, I mean, there's, there's all of these other things that it's life, you know, you learn right. from life and you can't just say that, Oh, because a kid didn't have his rear end planted in a student seat in a classroom that he didn't <laughs> learn anything or she didn't learn anything like right that's not how life goes learning happens everywhere all the time we just learn different things yeah that's yeah, exactly absolutely right. well said i think the spring was was good for that that was the one good thing that happened in the spring of 2020 for me personally my family we had spent so much time together and it was great our spring was going to be insane. My kids both play sports. The sports were going to be overlapping. I don't know how we were going to get our kids from practices to games or anything, but right. instead we got to hang out and we got to do stuff together. And that, so it was bad, but at the same time, it was good. Yeah. My wife is a high school softball coach and that year they canceled the softball season. And mm -hmm. I saw more of her that spring than I have seen in years. Yeah, it was right. fantastic. Right. Yeah. 
Speaking of, um, as we go into this last little couple sessions, what we're working on, one of the things that I've been working on is watching the Women's College World Series. Oh, it has been so good. I it mean, has. We, we've watched yeah. like watched Oklahoma, and now I don't. I because yeah. the game is happening right now, so I'm actually I want to check it before while we're talking. But did you did you I'm stay up till up, two a.m.? Did you stay up late and watch that game? Last night, yeah. No, was it two that. nights ago? Two nights no. ago, it was. Wasn't it real late, like midnight? Or it was, there was one. Yes. A few yes. There was yeah, the yeah. second yeah. game. Yeah, was yeah. that right before the second elimination game? Yeah. Um, but the ones, the last couple games have been awesome between Florida State and Oklahoma. Yeah. It's been yeah. so good. So anyway, yes. Dave, what are you working on? I'm going to look up this score. Okay, while he looks up that score, uh, we right now at our school, uh, we are talking about this this kind of relaunching of our learning for next year. And so my big thing right now has been. Uh, micro credentials. How can we work out a way in which our teachers can expand their knowledge, increase their PD, you know, receive that technology and instructional coaching, potentially get, you know, uh, CPD used for that opportunity, and they can do it on their own time. And so this has been a thing that Adam and I have talked about a ton. And I've talked to a lot of people about it. And I don't think anybody has one solution, but there's a lot of different tools to do that. And so I've been trying to figure out for me, what is the easiest way for our teachers to try and take some ownership of their PD. And what I think I'm going to do, my thought process has been, um, we're, we're, is it going to involve Wakelet and Google Forms? And so what I'm, what, what my thought is, is I'm going to take a Wakelet based on a topic of some time. So it could be, you know, engagement or it could be math tools or whatever that might be. And uh, I think our teachers are going to select one of those and go through a coaching cycle with me. And uh, I'm working with one of our regional superintendents to try to figure out how to set up the hours for that so they can get that continued learning uh, credits for it. But that's what I'm working on right now. It's a big job. I know that. But I feel like if I can nail that <laughs> down, that's going to be something awesome for our teachers because, you know, talking about what we keep and what we get rid of from this year, I think traditional PD is something that, you know, me standing in front of him saying, hey guys, this is a Google Doc. Here's how you share it. You know, it's 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 something that is helpful for some, but we need to be able to drill to more specific opportunities for people. And I think if you take some ownership in that, I think teachers and educators and everybody's just going to be more excited to use those things rather than, you know, hey guys, here's Screencastify. Some of you may use it, some of you may not. You know, here's some features and go from there. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm working on. That's a big project and that's going to take me all summer and that may not happen in the fall, but we're going to do our best. So that's a tough job. I think micro credentials are a good idea though, as opposed to one big giant. I think colleges should do that too, but that's just, me. yes, mm -hmm. there's some, I mean, there's some, we, we're lucky enough to have a few friends that are, um, you know, in registrar's offices at state schools mm -hmm. or in a few places like that. And uh, a few of them have said, that's a big conversation they're having at the collegiate oh, level. Sure. Because, you know, if you just purely look at the money, uh, you know, it, if you could hire somebody to be an adjunct professor and just pay them a salary to be that professor, they work from home, they kind of upload things, they do that. It's easier than putting them in a brick and mortar building and paying the, you know, all those extra things that are involved right. in having them on, on uh, campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quick update. Oklahoma's up five to one in the fifth. Just letting <clears throat> you guys know in the Oklahoma's championship good. game. They're good, man. This is good. Yeah. They are good. They're really they, good. Some beast pitchers. Yeah, you're not kidding. They both, the Florida State's been awesome too. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, Matt, what do you, you got some cool stuff going on. Yeah. What's going on with you now? Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm working on a, a number of different projects. Um, 
For one, uh, I'm co-authoring a book on Canvas, Canvas Learning Management System mm -hmm. called Do More with Canvas. Mm -hmm. uh, just recently published a book not too long ago called Do More with Google Classroom. Uh, the focus of both of those is let's go beyond. It's just, Dave, it's just like what you were saying. Like, we don't need to tell them how to, you said, um, share a Google Doc. In this case, it's like, we don't need to tell them what all the buttons are in Google Classroom and how right. to make an assignment because there's tutorials on that. Let's figure out how can I use it efficiently? How can I use it effectively? How can I level up my teaching by using this tool in, in good ways and ways that we don't expect? So um, wrote that about Google Classroom and now I'm partnering with a brilliant educator in the Las Vegas area named Mike Lang, who has worked with Canvas for a long time. And um, he and I are, well, mostly he right now, but I'm going to be jumping in on it too. And uh, he's he's got some brilliant ideas related to that. Um, doing lots of virtual summer professional development. Um, the nice thing about not having everything back 100% face-to-face is um, my busy, see my busy time for professional development is June and August. And I'm going to do a lot of it sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in right now. Oh, and then yeah, whenever yeah, I get sure. done, I can go to my kids' ball games and I can take them to practice and, That's awesome. and go out for ice cream and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's that. And um, I'm real big into online courses right now. Like yeah. I'm especially big, you were talking about micro-credentials. Um, we've been doing some mini courses, you know, like let's pick a, a small topic that people are interested in. Let's record maybe an hour's worth of video or less or something. Let's like not charge very much money for it and just put it out there just like rapid prototype some of these mm -hmm. and uh get them some cool ideas and so um you know we're going through a lot of that stuff too so any of all of those things you can find updates on through my email newsletter or on the website at ditch that textbook okay so actually we were going to get to the contact stuff later on so that's good we'll just yeah. hit it a bunch of times ditch that textbook.com and if you're not subscribed to, to that newsletter yet oh, subscribe to that right now because you're missing yeah, out sure. thank you let's Absolutely. just be honest yeah uh, and while you're there, two quick things while while we're before we finish the two uh, really great posts that I just thought worth mentioning the 20 questions that teachers should ask themselves over the summer and the five things that you think that we should bring with us into the next school year. Those are two great posts and really, really thoughtful things that teachers need to read uh, as the summer's going on. So just yeah, quick little plugs there from us. Not just tools, uh, but actual not just things. Tools. No, yeah. th like real like, things right. to think about, not right. just here's how you do X, Y, Z, but where do you fit in the classroom and what does your classroom look like in the fall? I think they're great questions. Yeah. What about you, Adam? Uh, and what are you working on? So a uh, couple quick things. One thing um, is uh, I'm adding um, quests now to gameably.com. So my innovator, I was an innovator in, in 2018. My innovator project was to create a platform for managing gamification. So that's kind of been one of my big things. Uh, and I really thought, you know, as I was coming up with ideas for what my project should be for the innovator, I thought this is just something that's going to probably stick with me forever. So it better be fun. So gamification kind of jumped up to the top of that list. Uh, and I, uh, so I built a, uh, a platform and it's totally free as of right now. And kids can sign in, teachers can sign in and create these worlds and give their kids items and badges and points and they can create challenges. And anyway, one of the big things I wanted to do was create quests where um, you can upload your own map and then on the map put little points and each point is got like a series of checkpoints so the kids could, you know, and you can only do one checkpoint 
at a time with before seeing the second one and that kind of thing. So it, it seemed like a really easy idea until I started diving in and it was taking me a lot longer than I thought it would, but it's, it's going pretty well. And I am like almost done with that. So I'm kind of excited to have people start testing that and launch that out. But that's been a big project that eventually I want to become a thing. It's not yet right now. I've got teachers who are using it and we're using it in like conferences. I've got like three or four conferences that have used it. Um, just to gamify, you know, their user experience. Uh, and that's been really fun, but I'm hoping that that continues to develop and become a thing. But uh, so as I add little pieces, I'm going to mention them on the podcast so I can kind of float that out to people. But anyway, that's the one thing. And then I got to add show notes to the our <laughs> EdTech Distilled website. I still don't have those working yet. So that's the next thing I got to add. And, and uh, Gameably is awesome. I mean, we've used it this year and it's something that I've asked our teachers to check it's out. It's pretty fun. We yeah, used like it. it. And as I told Adam, we that's how I feel like that's how you and I even got started on the podcast. Might be because because we we uh, our our town used it for our virtual STEM night as a way to gamify our STEM night, and it was and I knew that if we didn't do something like that, no one's going to come, and so I'm going to do all this work, and then it was like uh, crickets. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey kids, here's a fun way we can do this from home. So, but it worked really well. That's so it's incredible. I just signed up for it, by the way. Sweet. Yeah. There you go. Checking yeah, it give out. It a shot. It's, it's well, and I don't cool. have any like guides put together yet because I keep right, changing yeah. the way it looks, cool. but uh, but it's it, it's pretty solid explanatory for the most part but yeah feel free to explore send me send me tips and tricks if you got yeah. any ideas something it I is awesome change. it is awesome. i have a couple of teachers one in illinois who has been just like instrumental in this last year because he's been using it with his kids and so he's like hey the kids suggested xyz and he sends that to me and then i do what i can to build it in and he's been like like really really pivotal uh in making it work and he loves it so that's good so i got one i got one guy that's all that matters <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that's pretty much all for the show. Last little thing we got to talk about is what we're drinking. Dave, what are you drinking? Well, still trying to get that Trader Joe's sponsorship for our podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'm drinking um, Trader Joe's Tanzania uh, Light Roast Coffee, and it's uh, in my um, Pawnee Harvest Festival mug from yes. Parks and Recreation. Oh, well done. So, yeah, on the so on this side it says the Pawnee Harvest Festival. On the other side, it actually has the city of Pawnee, the picture of all the uh, settlers uh -huh. standing on top of a herd of buffalo that they've killed. So <laughs> yeah, so for for our for for one birthday, my wife got this for me, and then that I got her a little awesome. Sebastian uh, plush. Oh so my, it, oh my this, goodness, this, you guys! This, this was pre Netflix, right? So this was like back when it was yeah. actually airing. So oh, you had to get it I love that show. NBC.com. So yeah. yeah. It's uh, that that's what I'm drinking. Matt, what about you? What are you drinking? Um, so I uh, have finished it since, so I don't have it like in my hands right now, but um, I've been doing some uh, cold brew coffee oh, yeah. at home. I just uh, grind up the beans, throw it into like a French press and let it sit overnight. And I've got this nice concentrate. And so um, there's a, a cool roastery about an hour and a half away from my house uh, that that does a nice job. So I've been using some of their beans and yeah, cold brew is like a great thing to have this time of year, I think. It's fantastic. Oh, totally. And after you make your own, aren't you like, wow, man, people charge like 10 bucks for a cup. Yes. Of and it's not yeah. bad to make it all. No, no, it's, it's super easy and it, it's so much better than regular coffee. I it think truly in is. a lot of ways. So yeah, is. definitely. Adam, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking IBC cream soda. 
my son worked at a festival. We have uh, every year they have the horseradish festival here in Collinsville, Illinois. Like the um, Pawnee Harvest Festival. It was just like the Pawnee right. Harvest Festival. And uh, so everything's full of horseradish. But anyway, they uh, so he worked to like help clean it up. And the guy paid him in cases of IBC cream soda. So we now have like 72 bottles of this stuff laying around <laughs> our house. That's so awesome, I'm, man. and I don't really drink soda very often. Like, I'm, now you do. And now I am. Yeah. And I love me some cream soda. That's, That's awesome. Man. I want to uh, get paid for yeah. like <laughs> a workshop I do at a school or something and IBC cream soda. Oh, I would totally great. do that. I should not say this on a podcast. <laughs> Someone will come back and try to pay yeah. me with it. No, but, all three of our listeners are going to hit you up for IBC root beer. <laughs> and maybe for the one person who uses gameable. Right. You exactly. Know, right. Yeah. Four, so. Yes. Yes. Um, can well, I, can I throw one quick thing in here? Oh, please. I do, just man. realized that, um, Adam made his uh, his one and only appearance on the Google Teacher podcast in episode 15. It was an episode about math in G Suite. And there were two people in the mailbag. And it says right here in my show notes, which I still have, Adam Geisen from Speech Pi or Speak Pipe on Inbox by G. Oh, nice. Nice. There That's it is. Awesome. Looked that up. We've even yeah. got a link to the audio file, and I was like, oh, oh I'm going to play it, but the link's broken. So, oh, <laughs> oh, that's all right. Lost to the ether. That's okay. Yes. That's awesome. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you found that. And yeah, yeah, that was a big thing for me losing the inbox. Yeah. But I love the new Gmail. Me so. too. Anyway, uh, well, Matt, thank you so much for spending the time with us. I know yeah, that you guys have a busy, busy schedule, but we really, really appreciate hanging yeah, out really with did. us today. Yeah, um, hey, I had a blast. Really did. Well, good. Yeah, we we how, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, best way, like we were saying earlier, is to go to the website. Um, in fact, uh, if it's okay with you, I've got something free that I can give away to your listeners. Totally. Oh, my that'd gosh. Be great. That'd be great. We'll yeah, totally so want that. Uh, um, on my website, if you go to ditchthattextbook.com slash 101, I've got these three free ebooks that have a whole bunch of practical ideas and you know downloadable templates and like stuff you can use in class right away. Um, that also is the easiest way to get signed up for my email newsletter as well. So if they want to go to ditchthattextbook.com slash 101, um, you know, that email newsletter is the, the quickest and easiest way to get the stuff that I'm putting out there to try to help you all out. So, um, yeah, definitely go check that out. That's awesome. I actually didn't see yeah. that today. Speaking of really quickly, are you doing an, uh, your conference? I don't know if you're doing another ditch summit. Ditch summit or yeah, is that... it'll, it'll be in December. Yeah. Okay, I do so it every December. year in December. I've done a couple okay. of them in the summer in the past, mm -hmm. but this year I'm, I'll, I'm just going to stick to the one in December, but yes, sure. at DitchSummit.com, that free online conference for teachers yes. that, that awesome. will be coming up. All right. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So great ways to get in touch with Matt again. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us uh, here at the EdTech Distilled podcast at edtechdistilled.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, or uh, I can't believe I said Apple first, but you can also find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Pandora. You can find us on all the places that you find podcasts. Please reach out to us on Twitter at, at edtechdistilled, uh, and you can shoot us uh, messages there, and we'll hopefully get your questions and comments and topics on online. And if you're uh, Trader Joe's, podcast. we appreciate it. Trader Joe's can reach out to us also. We're happy to, we're happy to run this sponsorship with you guys. So <laughs> that's right. We're happy to gonna pay you in coffee. That's it. Honestly, my wife would think I was like a conquering hero coming home <laughs> if I was getting paid in coffee. So, yep. well, great. Thanks again, Matt, for Thanks, joining Matt. us uh, on appreciate behalf of it, Dave and Matt and myself. Again, I'm Adam Geisen, and we will catch you on the next episode. 
Thanks, everybody. Right. Chances yes. are we'll just talk about how meaningful that whole blog has been to us as we've grown right. up as tech people. Yeah. So it'll that'll probably come up at some point. Yeah. There was this uh, post and there was this post. Exactly.